I, um, I want to read verses uh, that I, I often do when we're singing a song. I'm thinking of obstacles in the way. I'm thinking about you if you're one of those that says, and that's, uh, oh, to be like you is just so out there. It's just so big and so so foreign, so out of reach. It's like saying, jump, jump real tall and touch one of these lights near the ceiling. It's all you have to do to please God. Just jump and touch it. And you would, you would sink back in your seat defeated because you know that won't work for you. It'll only work for a few, and even that is doubtful. And then I thought of um, words in the Bible that are so inclusive you can't, you can't miss them. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of sin. Passions and pleasures. I knew I'd get your attention. Because you're thinking, that wasn't so long ago for me, Pastor. That's actually now. Uh, I'm touched, but in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm sort of further, further away when I see a story and hear a testimony like we just did in baptism because I think it'll, it works for them. Bless those two little children. Bless their dad, Dom, and their family. It's just so cool. But we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he scolded us. He pointed a corrective finger and condemned us? No, he saved us. Yeah, but God, not on the basis of things that we have done well, but by his mercy. So that kind of quiets me down a little bit. So I'm going to sit, I'm going to listen a little bit better here. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Not by you having a better day than yesterday. Not by you being better tomorrow than you were in the past. And he poured out this Holy Spirit, his Spirit, on us generously. And the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope as these three testified this morning to eternal life. Lord, we come to you right now as people that are conflicted because our world sort of agrees on part of what I just said. We're messed up. But the pathway to getting better is as different as light and and darkness. It's as different as heaven and hell. Because without you, we will only get barely better, baby steps better. 
but with you, we actually have what we just sang about, the hope that we will one day be like you because we will see you as you are. So God, you want to do a work in our hearts today. You're already doing it. And so I pray for um, impact as we take a few moments to look at your word and think about the implications that you have for us. Will you pray this church right now quietly in your heart? Just say, Lord, have your way with me. You watching from someplace else, would you close your eyes right now and just whisper the same words, Lord, have your way with me. The king of life is on the move. I want you to be on the move in me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I have a quick quiz just to ask you briefly this morning. If I gave you a chance to uh, go in your Bible, I'll give you a hint. It'll be either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, so the four Gospels. Narrow it down that way. And have you select your favorite um, story or what the Bible knows as a parable when Jesus would teach? What one would you select? What do you suppose would be the top three or four? Um, probably on the tip of your tongue comes things like the sower and the seed. That's pretty cool. It's full of imagery. It has lots of implications. And that would be, that would be a good choice, I think, for some. And then there's others that uh, actually it's, it's been a hijacked word in our world today, but the Good Samaritan. Uh, we, when people do something really good for some other human, they... They call it a Good Samaritan Act of, so, of sorts. We have a hospital in Portland, Good Sam. It's not very reverent, but you get the idea. Um, my son was born there, so it's a really good hospital. But anyway, um, by the way, he's like nine hours into his 16-hour flight to Melbourne right now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we had a fabulous time. But Good Samaritan is a good thing. I mean, it's a great story. It's very convicting, especially if you walk around someone in need. Not walk to, walk around. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a great story. Uh, here's one that we don't read much because it really bugs us a lot, and that's the rich, fu- rich fool. He had lots of money. He uh, had saved a lot. He had stored a lot, and he planned to kick back. It was time for him to do nothing but enjoy the bounty of his life. And Jesus, as everybody else, was congratulating him, which we do for such people. Um, He said, you're a fool. That was the dumbest decision you could ever make because this very day, your number gets called. That's why he's a fool. He's a rich fool, but he's a fool. Somebody said yesterday in a group I was with, uh, there's never been a U-Haul at a cemetery. And that's really true. I mean, it's a weird image, but it's true. Um, So here's mine. And um, 
and I, and I share this one because it's a story of someone I think, first of all, I'll admit to you, I relate to. But it's one that I think most of us relate to. We, we don't know his name, but we know why he has fame. He is, in fact, a rebel. And my dad right now is just this side of sighing, like we're going to go back down the road of high school for my son and all those rebellious days of my early life. Um, And please don't feel misled, uh, like, wow, he got over it in high school. It took me longer. That would be a mistake to assume that. So the rebel, the story is in Luke 15. If you want to turn there, I just want to read a part of it quickly this morning. But Luke 15 is where the story is. Let me, as you're getting there... um, tell you a couple things about him. He had a good home life. He did. Uh, A really good home life, and he was raised well. Luke chapter 15. He was raised well, and he had a brother. So there's two of them in the story. And his brother was actually the opposite of him in many ways. He was a rule-following, compliant kid But um, something in the rebel wanted to make him, well, rebel. That's why his name's an appropriate name. Uh, So he did. He did rebel, in fact. And he left home in a huff. And he was uh, a guy that was given fortunes and freedom. Uh, Not unlike college students today. Okay, I said it. I'll move on. But... um, it's, it's really a scary thing. They're first to crack at adulthood, and we're told, have a great time! <laughs> and then we're shocked that things don't turn out so well. That's another subject for another time. But he had lots of money. He demanded it, was given it, and he takes off. And um, he had all this freedom, so no one told him, hey, that's probably not a good Thing to give yourself to. That's probably not time well spent, and that's definitely not money well spent. He didn't get any pushback. He just simply had the freedom that said, I can do anything I want. And he, as you could almost predict in the story, he promptly lost both his wealth, his fortune, and his freedom. Um, Here's an interesting point, because you would say, well, come home, take your chances. Not so fast. He was too, I have different words. You probably, we probably could come up with a whole glossary of words to describe him. He was too proud. He was too rebellious. He was too sh- ashamed. Uh... Whatever the case is, he refused to eat humble pie and head home. Now, let that sink in. It's you or somebody you know. Maybe it's you at a time prior to today, but maybe with what we say for the next couple of minutes, you'll even change your view of that piece. So he was too something to not go home. It would mean eating crow. It, it would mean to sort of eat humble pie, as we say, but you've got to give it a try. 
Uh, eventually, when he could handle it no longer, he in fact decided to take his chances. And he turns for home. So, I'm guessing right now, if I can interrupt my telling of the story, that some of you are one or two clicks ahead in this story because you're so familiar with it. That in fact, you, you, you're just this side of putting it to memory. You know exactly what comes next. You know how the story turns out, and you know when the pastor's going to close his Bible. Um, and my fear is, that's why I'm calling you and me out in this, that there's a very high likelihood we will fundamentally miss the point of the story Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15. It turns out that the story isn't about the rebel at all. You're like, wow, Pastor, you, um, you spent a lot of time having us imagine the rebel. And you're saying it's not. Then who is it about? It's about the father. It's about his dad. Uh, these words capture it. His son is long gone and um, hasn't come home yet, but he's, he's made the turn. Verse 17 tells us the turn was he came to his senses. And he thought to himself, this is a lot of self-talk, and if you've been where the rebel's been, you've had these moments. Maybe you're having them right now, and that's okay. You're thinking the same kind of thing. How good I had it. How many of my father's hired servants have more food than me? Here I am feeding pigs. I am a mess. I'm in shambles. I'm starving to death, verse 17 says. And then he comes to his senses, and one of the immediate things is he begins to sort of uh, plan out his move, his turn for home. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So just treat me like a slave. Make me a servant that works for you, Dad. That'll, that'll be better than anything I've got going for me now. That's his self-talk. He's walking through it and thinking through it deeply. Um, and then verse 20. So he got up and he made his first step toward home. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was disgusted and turned inside the house and closed the door behind him. I, I, that's probably a little bit of relief that your, your laughter right now. It is for me because we play those games. The shame, the blame, the, the game. Yeah, kiss up, buddy. Plan to spend the rest of your life kissing up. We, we do that. Not everybody does that. Some of you are beautiful examples of the father that's coming up now. Because you read it right. He sees his son a long ways off and was filled with compassion for him. 
and didn't stand there as perhaps he had done for weeks. I, we don't, we're not told how long. But he breaks from the porch and books all the way across his field and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he doesn't finish his speech before his father interrupts and says, verse 22, Quick! Bring the best robe, put it on my son, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate, he shouts, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And look at him, he's home. And they began to celebrate. Ah! Now you know why, over the years, I've lost count, but the hundreds, maybe the thousands of times, I have told this story again and again to people in my office. Some of it to parents who haven't seen a child or a grandchild turned for home. Some of it to the rebel sitting in front of me. Why did Jesus tell us this story? Let's rule out the silliest answer to teach us how to live. No. It seems obvious and to me very compelling to read this story through the lens of the Father. When the rebel returns, he receives something totally, totally, in every way, unexpected. A welcome home with great love by his dad, and get this, with no trace now or to the end of the story of contempt. None. So if the father's treatment of his sinful son bothers you, you don't have to raise your hand if it does. But it's been insulting to more than a few. Which has me want to tell you you're not alone. If it bugs you at some level, yeah, 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 he's home. Scum. I don't know. I don't know the word. Um, it actually uh, was at that point in the story that Jesus introduces the big brother. And, and, and he was a standout citizen. He was a, a real model, a template, if you will, of respectable, responsible behavior. And you know what? He was ticked at what he saw. Incensed is a better word to learn that this festive occasion, because he was out working, he's like, man, there's quite a commotion at home. And he goes and checks it out, and he finds that this festive occasion is for his reprehensibly immoral brother. He would say, am I missing something? 
Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son in the field came near the house, heard the music and dancing, called one of the servants, asked him, What in the world's going on in there? Your, your brother has come home, came the reply. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he, he has him back home safe and sound. Yeah, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, wait a second. All of these years I've been slaving for you. Not once did I disobey your orders. But you never, ever gave me a young goat so I could celebrate it with my friends. And here's this son of yours. Doesn't name him. Doesn't even call him his brother. Here's this son of yours who squandered everything with prostitutes. Gives us a little insight into where the rebel was. And he comes home and you, you kill the fattened calf for him? Did his dad know where the brother had been? Apparently he did, since the story concludes. My son, the father said to the big brother, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. I'm going to make uh, an assumption that I'm not the only one that choked over um, over what bothered the big brother. And, um, and I read about a preacher who flipped the story. Not sure if he was bothered as much as I was or if he wanted to make the point that I'm about to make. But he flipped the story to arrange the outcome in a more palatable way. In a sermon, he had the father slip the ring and the robe on the big brother, then kill the fattened calf in honor of his years of faithfulness and obedience. And a lady at the back of the church that morning yelled out, and that's the way it should have been written. So I just spoke out for you if you're one of them. Okay? She's that wonderful saint in the back. Uh, why is it that many people find that woman's words, I'll just say it, agreeable? Uh, could it be that, that our view of what God wants in people um, is is meant to shock us? Could it be because uh, thinking that way actually blinds us to, to the real responsibility and the real reality, possibility, that we too are rebels? Like, oh, pastor, you're going to switch it on us. I can feel it. I can feel it coming. Um, I'm going to go a step further. I think we're better at concealing it.
which raises an uncomfortable thought like other things I've said haven't. But the uncomfortable thought is this. Is it possible that we are sitting in a room full of rebels? Uh, I'm about done. A favorite author of mine Summarize the core truth of what Jesus is teaching in this story about the rebellious son. With this irresistible, irresistible invitation. Ask people what they must do to get to heaven. Do it today, would you? Ask somebody. Have a conversation in your life group or at lunch or something. Maybe at work tomorrow. Maybe at school tomorrow. Ask somebody. It's, it's a non-threatening question. Just ask it. What must we do to get to heaven? It's kind of the clear the deck question. And most people reply two words. Be good. Jesus' story contradicts that answer. All we must do is cry, Help! So where is your true heart toward God today? Which son do you most relate to? today. I speak with great respect to you who have walked with Jesus a long time. I mean in no way to insult you or impugn your walk. I do mean, however, for all of us, including me, to say, is it real? All the way real? Is it how I live my life today? Um, is your struggle, is my struggle and, and sin visible? Because I think the younger son's was like really uncomfortably visible. Um, and, I, and, and, and it may not be for you. It may be actually something inside your heart. You have envy in your heart. I'm reading the Ten Commandments right now that says envy is like a deal breaker. You want what your neighbor has, including their wife. The Apostle Paul said covetousness in his heart is what led him to Jesus. When you look at the fruit in your life, does it reveal your answer to the question of the morning? How is the king of life moving in you, in me? Um, in honesty, and it's going to take real courage for you to admit this, would your answer be, he isn't. He isn't, pastor. 
Uh, so communion is perfectly situated at the end of our service. It's, it's meant to have you and me um, face that question. Is the king of life on the move in me? If not, then the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you. He wants to have a say in how this service ends and how you begin to walk from this place today. Um, so if the search for you in these few moments turns up stuff that's, that's uncomfortable, May I plead with you? I wish I had coffee and we had time to interact. May I plead with you and say, don't run from the Father. Run to Him. Take your chances. Um, place your bet on you being treated similarly. And come back to Him. Whatever's in the way, the Holy Spirit will help you clean it up and get it out of the way. It's not something you've got to do before you make your way to Him. So we're going to sing uh, a great song, and it's, a, um, it's about a, a, an image of God saying, I want to do something new. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. We heard that from Dom and his kids today. The old has passed away. Behold, everything is new. That's a great truth from God. We want to invite you this morning, unlike normal communion Sundays, to make your way out of your seat in a few moments. Pastor Michael and myself will be down here in front. And we want to invite you to just come forward and take the bread and the cup. And as you do, imagine coming home to Jesus and hearing these these simple words, this is for you. I am for you. I want to help you clean out the closet. I want to help you confess sin if it's in the way. And I want to have you leave here knowing my mercy covers you just like it did the rebel son. Will you do that? If you happen to be here this morning and... Uh, coming forward is a little challenging for you. You can just raise a hand. We'll have leaders on the side that can bring communion to you. But I want to encourage you to make a move that says, God, I'm on my way home. I'm coming to you with big or small stuff. And as you take the bread and the cup, you'll remember the one that gave his life so the king of life could work in you. Let's share in that as we sing this last song together. Come as the Lord prompts you.